Good morning. Welcome to each of you on this snowy morning. We're glad that you're here, and we are grateful for this time to worship God together. Each week, we encourage you to read through your bulletin insert. One thing we don't often mention, though, is how difficult it is to get the work of this congregation into that space. Our graphic designer, Pat Garcia, works and works to find space for everything that this congregation is doing. It's a wonderful problem to have. In this insert, you can read about the work of Montview Church, our work for mission, both local and international, our work for community, our community here at the church. You can learn of the ways we gather together and strengthen the ties that bind us with programs such as Wednesday Night Life. Also, our work with community includes service to the greater community and learning about issues out in our greater community. Today, you have an opportunity to learn about an issue that's coming up in the election. The amendment is Amendment A, and the issue is the fact that slavery is still included in the Colorado State Constitution. So following this service, there will be a viewing of a movie on the 13th Amendment, and information will be given to you about this upcoming ballot item. It's in the McCollum Room today. Also, in our insert, you can learn about our work for lifelong learning. Our adult education offerings are excellent and varied, and today you can learn more about what's coming up the next two Sundays around Marketplace Mercy. So we hope you'll read through this information. We hope you will join us. And now, with quiet minds and with quiet hearts, let us stand as we are able for the call to worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. Oh, praise the Lord with me. Let us worship God.
We make our confession each week. We confess the times when we have forgotten about God. We confess mistakes in our personal lives and in our common life. We begin with silence. And we pray our corporate confession together, saying, Merciful God, you call us to work for a world where all will be fed and have dignity, but we find ourselves distracted by our own desires. You call us to seek justice and peace, but we are satisfied with injustice and discord. You call us to bring liberty to the oppressed, but we do not insist on freedom for all. Grant us forgiveness and mercy so that we may live a just, merciful, and humble life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. We believe in the loving forgiveness of God and we believe that as we are forgiven, we can also forgive. We can forgive ourselves. We can forgive one another. We can live redeemed, renewed, and guided once more. May it be so. We give God thanks for his abiding love. Amen. In the name of our God, Mother and Father to us all, we long for peace. We long for peace in our minds and in our hearts. We long for peace in our country and in our world. We pray that this longing will lead us to words and actions of kindness, random and planned, here and anywhere, given to family and friends, to neighbors and strangers, to people we agree with, to people we disagree with. Peace can be ours. We can be determined to share it, and we can begin now. 
Please greet each other with the peace of God. Did you see?
please join me in the prayer for elimination found in the bulletin. Give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts that we may receive your word and respond in love. Our lesson is Acts 9, chapters 1 through 20, found on page 111 of your Old Testament Pew Bible. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight. I lost my place. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and, he, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. Listen to the voice of the Spirit speaking to the church. 
Good morning, everyone. It's so wonderful to see you, and especially this morning, because it is a very special morning at Montview Church. We are going to see a play put on by the older pulpit players, and right now what we all need to do is move all the way down to the floor, all the way down to the floor, and turn around so you can see the big cross. So come on, honey. And let's get ready to be a great audience for a funny thing happened on the way to Damascus, the conversion of Paul by our pulpit players. of times. It was the worst of times. It wasn't that long ago that Jesus had risen from the dead, and the news spread like wildfire. His disciples, filled with the Holy Spirit, were speechifying on every street corner, and thousands of happy people had converted to the way. Everyone jumped on the Jesus bandwagon, especially the religious leaders. One man in particular, a Pharisee named Saul, a nasty piece of work, made it his personal mission from God to wipe all the followers of Jesus off the face of the earth. Relentless and cruel, he and his henchmen spread terror throughout the fledgling Christian community. Tonight at Saul's outhouse. Pass the word and bring 
That's just how bad things are, ladies and gentlemen. Saul's reign of terror has our tongues tied in knots. Breaking down doors, dragging people off in chains. Saul and his goons were the scourge of Christianity. Having rid on his hometown of the Christian pestilence, he set his sights on a bigger prize, the city of Damascus. All he needed was permission from the chief priest of the temple. Damascus. You want to go to Damascus. I and the other sages of the Sanhedrin are too pleased to support your cause. This letter will announce your brethren in that fair city of yours. Once and for all, stamp out these foolish followers of the dead carpenter from Nazareth. And so, that's how Saul and his lackeys ended up on the road to Damascus, and their donkey too. Hee-haw! I shall carve my name into the backside of any Damascus Christian I see. That should be an interesting sight, since you don't even know how to spell my mighty crossbow will stop them in their tracks. Your breath will stop them in their tracks. I and my trusty poleaxe will make mincemeat of these Jesus loonies. Mincemeat? So the loonies will look like your face? Mincemeat? I do love mincemeat, especially the way our mom used to make it. <laughs> with, with beef and, and vegetables and, and potatoes and, and raisins and... Saul, Saul, why are you out to get me? I am Jesus, the one you're hunting down. I want you to get up and go to Damascus. 
There, someone will tell you what to do next. But I can't see. I, I'm blind. <laughs> For three days, Saul sat in a darkened room in Damascus, unable to see, unable to eat, unable to drink. He obviously needed a timeout, and Jesus saw to it that he got one. Meanwhile, across town, another man, a Christian named Ananias, was also hearing the voice of Jesus. Ananias, Ananias. Who's there? Is someone in the room with me? Ananias. Oh, oh, oh Lord, I can explain. Ananias. It was, it was just a friendly game of poker, you know? Ananias. Take a breath, will you? Listen to me. Oh, 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 sure, sure, Lord, sorry. <laughs> Go to the house of Judas and ask for a man named Saul, who was recently struck blind. Place your hands upon him and restore his sight. Saul? The, the butcher of Tarsus? I, I don't want to be in the same city as that guy, l l let alone the same room. He, 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 and his, he and his hooligans will crush my head like a melon and throw my carcass to the jackals. Don't argue. I have picked this man as my personal representative. And now I'm about to show him what he's in for, the hard work that goes with the job. Listen, Lord, I, I, I think you have the wrong Ananias here. See, See, I've never been good with confrontation. Just ask my wife. Ananias! Who are you talking to? What part of go don't you understand? Oh, oh, yes, 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 Lord, I'm, Ananias, I'm, I'm going. where are you going? Honey, you are not going to believe this. I, I, was, just, I was just talking to God, and, and he wants me to go visit Saul of Tarsus. Yeah, that's all of Tarsus. And, and he wants me to restore his sight. I don't know, he must have blinded him to get his attention. But, but I'm so frightened, and, and I don't want to go. There, there, dearie. The Lord would never ask you to do something he hasn't prepared you to do, now would he? Feeling like you ain't got the smarts. Feeling like you ain't got the heart. God makes us for a reason. And he's not into teasing. The Lord knows just what we need. So get out there and do it. The Lord knows just what we need. So get out there and do it. Feeling like you ain't got the skills. Feeling like you ain't got the will. God picks us in our season. We don't need to know the reason. The Lord knows just what we need. So get out there and do it. The Lord knows just what we need. So get out there and do it. The Lord knows just what we need. So get out there and do it. Lord knows just what we need, so get out 
And so, with his wife by his side, our timid healer made his way across town to the house where Saul waited, having been told in a dream that Ananias would come to restore his sight. That's him, Saul of Tarsus! Yes, dear, I know. Now, just go up to him, heal him, and then we can all go home and have a nice cup of hot chocolate. Ananias, is that you? Have you come to heal my blindness just as the Lord told me? I thought he couldn't see me. I'm a dead man. Okay, dearie, it's time to man up and trust God. Yes, Saul, Ananias is here. Now, go lay hands on him and heal him. Brother Saul, the, the, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road earlier today, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Heal. His sight restored, Saul changed his name to Paul. Yep, that Paul. The Paul whose letters to new churches form half of the New Testament. The guy whose tireless travels spread Christianity throughout the world. Just goes to show you, we may not know who the right person for the job is, but, but God, God does.
Well, thank you, children, youth, kids, Jeannie, or Jean, I'm sorry, Dennis, all of you who help with the pulpit players. They're incredible. The whole program is incredible, and we are most grateful. So let's give them all a round of applause again. Um, let me also point out that this is the third year in a row um, I've had to preach following the pulpit players. I'm like, come on, and Ian isn't even here today. Just not right. So I will try, try to bring a word uh, following that enactment and filling out of the word. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for children. We give you thanks for voices that sing and speak. We give you thanks for lives that express joy and good tidings. In Jesus' name, amen. So like the flower that bends toward the sunlight, I understand and experience God as the one who tenderly draws me near, us near. That is, I believe God, like the sun, draws us gently toward the warmth of love. Gentle was not how Saul experienced the light of God on the road to Damascus. The Christ light flashed around Saul, piercing, blinding, disrupting, and dislodging him. The light thrust the confident Saul to the ground, terrified. And on your bulletin cover, the conversion of St. Paul is the early 17th century painting by the Renaissance artist Caravaggio. And Caravaggio captures Paul's exact moment when he is thrown down by the blinding light. Caravaggio gives this intimate view of Saul's exchange with Jesus. With his brilliant use of contrasting light and darkness, Caravaggio captures Saul's human fragility in the face of holy mystery. And in that moment of confrontation with the divine, Caravaggio also captures the humiliation of Paul on the ground, arms outstretched toward the light. Now, the word humili humility comes from the root word humus. That means earth or soil. And Saul was literally grounded by Jesus. As the kids showed, Saul was a persecutor of the early disciples who at that time were known as the way. Saul was on his way in another direction, north to arrest the Jews who were confessing Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah. Saul, a devout Jew, a Pharisee, in fact, was doing what he thought without a doubt was the will of God. His intent was to maintain the purity of his religion. Saul was a zealot in the pursuit 
of what he believed the, the Christians were doing, which was tainting the Jewish religion. So like Caravaggio's painting, the conversion or the radical transformation of Saul to be Paul is now this story is how the story is usually described by conversion. In fact, every single commentary I read described this scene as a total 180-degree conversion. Saul has become Paul, a totally new, changed person. Not one commentator I read saw it otherwise. But with all due respect to the commentators, I have come to see it differently. Yes, conversion does mean change, turning around, coming to one's senses. And those are apt descriptions of Paul's experience with Jesus as that burning light. But notice, Jesus didn't tell Saul to stop and turn around to change his plans to go back to Jerusalem. Instead, Jesus ordered a blinded, humbled Saul to continue to keep going on to Damascus to wait for a new mission. And I want to suggest that the better way to describe the encounter that Paul had with Jesus, the Lord, and the burning light of grace is not as conversion or radical transformation, but rather integration. Integration as God gathering up the disparate pieces of Saul's life and drawing them into a whole. God's grace drew in Saul's shadow side, we can say. Grace in its encompassing field of vision shone down upon Saul's, Saul's whole life in that flashing moment. And the light revealed all of who Saul was, just as he was. And the light revealed the worst of Saul, the Saul who was marching off in his pharisaical belief that God was on the side of his personal crusade. The bright light exposed Saul's misguided certitude. Saul followed Jesus, not leaving behind his former self, but bringing along all the baggage of his old life, all his mistakes and failures and sins, like his persecution of the disciples and his participation in stoning Stephen. Jesus was not the one blind. Jesus understood the totality of Saul's life. So rather than merely converting him, God's grace took Saul's whole self, shadow and light, and used every bit of him to engage in the future mission of the church. And so even today, God calls each of us complicated people and calls us to put to work all that we are, all that we have. So we, if we remember the variety of characters that Jesus did call while he was on earth, he called disciples who were fishermen, 
and prostitutes and tax collectors, cheats and drunkards and the lame. And we wouldn't be surprised that he called Paul, or Saul, who became Paul. It was just like Jesus to pick out of a lineup the most questionable individuals to carry the story of God's expansive love. Just like Saul, the first disciples and the apostles themselves were a mixed bag of shadow and light. And we can only talk about light if we talk about darkness, because light and darkness only have meaning in relation to one another. All things on earth are a mixture of darkness and light. They are inseparable. And we fragile human beings are mixed with darkness and light and shadow and radiance. And we can't separate out our best selves from our worst selves. But when God's grace shines upon our whole selves, who we are in our entirety is revealed. Our dichotomies, our contradictions, our paradoxes, our messy edges and our blurred boundaries, all of our good intentions with all of our ulterior motives. God knows every bit of who we are. We don't have to try to deny or deny or hide or wear masks or be religious performers. Like that old iconic Billy Graham hymn, God bids us come. And we respond by coming forward to God, by kneeling at the altars of our hearts and say, just as I am, I come. So most of us experience a few powerful moments in our lives that we would consider the light of grace, maybe the blinding light of grace, that out of mercy God stops us to give us a look at what we've been avoiding. God shines a soft light on our blind spots. But for Paul, it took a blinding light. Father Henry Nouwen wrote about the, what he called twilight zones. And the twilight zones, he said, were the areas in our lives that are just out of range of our self-awareness. So he meant the behaviors and the actions are our self-deceptions that lie just beyond our psychological periphery, right here. We actually are aware that we do these things we are aware about something about ourselves, but we can't quite see it. Other people can see it. We're just not good at it. Spouses can see it, I'll tell you that. But what the light of grace does is gently move those areas that require growth into our sight line ever so gently. And once we start seeing our whole selves more clearly, God begins the soul work of integrating all of our shadow and all of our brilliance into wholeness. I get that this might be ridiculous to believe that God needs all of us, our shadows 
and our strengths, our light and our dark. We're used to thinking that God wants us to be as close to perfect as we can be or religiously confident before God can use us. But we are called to trust that we are loved because of our imperfections, not in spite of them. So without shame, we can unpack our baggage, our anxiety, pettiness, fear, boastfulness, our stingy, awkward selves, and say, here I am. And I guarantee that once we are vulnerable uh, vulnerable enough to do that, others feel brave enough to unpack their baggage too. So there's one more thing about this story that I want us to keep in mind. We are not called to do any of this alone. This is where Ananias comes in. He plays such a crucial role, and he only shows up once in all of the New Testament, and here it is. And some could argue that though Ananias might have had the most important call from Jesus in all of the New Testament, he responded with a tentative, here I am, Lord, and but, don't call me. But then he faithfully went. He went to Saul, the very one who'd been persecuting followers like him. And he became for Jesus a conduit of mercy to Paul. And Ananias' hands, or finger, as Caleb showed, his hands were needed to extend healing to his new brother in Christ. And with that gift of mercy, Paul's powerful ministry began. God's work in this world doesn't require us to get all cleaned up and shiny or to know our Bible inside and out or to have different gifts. God needs us, calls us, all of us, darkness and light. What we need are open hearts and a willingness to take a risk to be who we are. God will provide other than less than perfect characters and servants of God and companions to guide us on our way. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Let us join our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. God of mystery and God revealed, we pray to you in this time and place set apart. We rest in you now, open-hearted and grateful. God, we give you thanks for this season of color and change. We thank you for the life-giving moisture and the beauty of this new snow. God, we thank you for children. We thank you for talents and confidence. We thank you for places to discover these and to share them. God, we give you thanks for our abundance, for our many choices, and our freedom to make them. We thank you for your word echoing through thousands of years to us. We thank you for the ancient stories that speak to us still. Thank you, God. God, we pray to you this day asking for your help. Please help us to look for you in any darkness. Please help us to look for your light of blessing, of possibility, of redemption and reconciliation. Please help us to look for your light of inspiration and guidance as we move through challenges and difficulties, as we place our trust in you. Gracious God, we pray also to better imagine the lives of others, to better imagine the darkness of poverty, of prejudice, of injustice, of violence, of despair and fear. God, please help us to realize our kinship with all others. Please open our minds to their realities. Please open our hearts to their needs. God, may our hope be for all people. May our understanding and efforts be for all people. May our prayers and love be for all people as we are bound together with them beyond any lines we have drawn, beyond any walls we have built, beyond any affiliations we have chosen, beyond any blindness we have practiced. Please help us, God, to reach for your light for ourselves and for all people. Please help us to hold the lantern for each other. Help us work together for the common and the good. Holy God, we pray now and always in the name of Jesus, your Son, the light of the world, the gift of your love. 
We pray now the words he taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. My name is Marissa Hudson Arney, and I am currently the chair of the Stewardship Committee. My husband Ryan and I have two children, ages 13 and 10, and we have been attending Montview for almost 10 years. As you know, October is Stewardship Month, and it is a time to reflect on what Montview means to you and your family and to consider what of your time, talents, and treasures you can share with our church. For us, Montview is a warm and welcoming place for our entire family that offers a way to experience and share God's mercy and love. Our children have enjoyed many of the programs over the years, including Sunday school, choir, serving as acolytes on Sunday morning, and the ever-popular pulpit players that we enjoyed today. Indeed, the first Sunday my daughter Claire and I attended worship at Montview when she was just a preschooler, there was a pulpit player's performance that morning, and the theme was, you've got to love your neighbor like you love yourself. That experience made an indelible, indelible impression on both of us and made it clear that this was the church for our family. These wonderful programs that Montview and Sandy prepare for our children could not exist without the support of our congregation. I hope that as you prayerfully consider your stewardship pledge this month, you will remember our stewardship theme, Behold What Love Can Do. Let us receive the morning offering.
We dedicate all that we are, all that we have, and all that we now share with one voice saying, God, you have so greatly loved us, long sought us, and mercifully redeemed us. Give us grace that in everything we may yield ourselves, our wills and our works, a continual thank offering to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. forth from this place, offering to God and to one another all that you are, the shadows and the light, the darkness and the brilliance. Go in the love of God. Go with the liberation of our Lord Jesus Christ and go with the power of the Holy Spirit, the one who is sent to be with us always. Amen. Amen.